0: This is Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July the 22nd. This is episode 2730. This is normally our sales and breeding episode, but Kayla is off this month because of an announcement she made earlier in the week. If you missed it, she's moving to Ocala from Maryland and is in the process of doing that this week, I think making a few trips. Uh, so congratulations to my new neighbor, Kayla. She'll be able to come into the studio and do the show more often. Also, as a reminder, the first roadshow meetup is this Saturday, and we're not even on the road yet. That's right. It's here at Horse Radio Network headquarters in Ocala. If you live anywhere near Ocala and want to take the drive up and say hi, we will be here on Saturday. I think it starts at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We have people coming up from Orlando and down near the Tampa area. We're just happy to see you all. We have lots of barbecue ordered, and uh, we're just going to have some fun here hanging out before we head out, which is on the 31st. Today I thought I would share with you the first episodes of a brand new show on the network. It's called Equestrian B2B and hosted by Jen and Jen from the Equestrian Businesswomen Conference. If you're a woman in business, in the horse world, this show is for you and the men can listen to if they want. I'm going to share the first episode here. It's about protecting yourself as an equestrian business owner. What does it take to protect yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially so that you can maintain and grow your business? So if you're in uh, equestrian business at all, This is a must listen and hopefully get you turned on to a brand new show here on the network. Jamie and I will be back with new shows on Monday and then Jen and I roll out on the 31st. We'll be doing shows, obviously, from the road and Jamie will be part of those shows. We'll be connecting her in remotely. But if you do want to meet Jamie, the place to do it is the weekend of August the 7th. We're going to be in Lexington, Kentucky and doing a meetup at the Carriage Association of America at the Kentucky Horse Park. So you'll be able to meet her and Jennifer and I all in one spot it's the only time in this five-week journey that that's going to happen if you want to see where all the meetups are go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner at the top of the page enjoy this brand new show equestrian b2b
1: hi i'm jennifer wood and i'm jennifer connor And we're from Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business.
2: On today's show, we cover protecting yourself as an equestrian business owner. What does it take to protect yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, so that you can maintain and grow your business? Our guests are Dr. Darby Bonomi, a sports and performance psychologist, and Laura Kestner, a corporate human resource director and riding instructor.
1: I'm Jennifer Wood, and joining me is Jennifer Connor, and we have known each other for decades, and Always having so many Jennifers around. We are going to go by me as Jen and her as Connor because we think that'll help clarify things for people. Um, and, you know, I've been calling you Connor for so long that that's just your name in my mind, right?
2: Yeah, and everybody who went to college with us. <laughs> right.
1: So um, just to make it clear, it's Jen and Connor. And um, if you guys want to learn more about equestrian businesswomen, you can visit our website. It's www.eqbusinesswomen.com. So I founded Equestrian Businesswomen three years ago um, with the goal of really starting conversations about businesses and how women can help each other in business and what really led to a natural fit was a podcast and doing it with my friend of 24 years, (laughs) Jennifer Connor, um, I think is going to be so much fun and I'm so excited to start this podcast and be able to join you and
2: talk to so many amazing people in our industry yeah, when you came to me with the idea about equestrian business women, I was really excited because I was at a point in my life where I really wanted to dip my feet into some entrepreneurial business and I think that having the support of a lot of women is important behind it. So, I was really happy when you asked me to do it and I really love podcasts, so I think that it was a great fit for this to re- to have a good reach for all the equestrian business women out there. You know, you and I
1: um, have known each other so long, and we've we lived together. We were roommates, um, and we both teammates. have teammates at University of South Carolina. Um, Co-captains. Go Game Co-captains. <laughs> and, you know, it's um, – and we both bring, like, such different experiences in the equestrian world, too. You know, you growing up with it in your family and – Um, and the different jobs that we've had along the way. So I think it'll be really cool to be able to share that and, um, talk to people in, in those instances and, and be able to, yeah, have
2: amazing conversations. Yeah. From different backgrounds, being in the standard bread industry, uh, being able to bring in some of the racing aspect and also a small family run business, it's going to be interesting for me because I think that there's things that I can learn from it.
1: For sure, me too. And um, that's kind of, you know, what I think is the best part is I get to learn and grow along with
2: it. Our first guest is Laura Kestner, who is currently the Director of Human Resources at Mohawk Auto Group, the largest Honda and Chevrolet dealership in the Northeast. Previously, she was the Practice Manager of Rudin Riddle Equine Hospital in Saratoga Springs. She began riding in college for a PE credit, and horses have been her passion ever since. And our second guest is Dr. Darby Bonomi, PhD.
1: She's a sport and performance psychologist who works with equestrians of all disciplines, as well as other athletes, to achieve optimal performance in and out of competition. A licensed psychologist, Dr. Bonomi has... Helped clients fulfill their goals for over 25 years. She also regularly competes in the amateur owner hunters and hunter derbies throughout California. Hey guys, so um, we're so excited to have you here to talk to us. Um, and you know, in an earlier conversation, what really kind of stuck out to me um, in what you guys do and what you're passionate about is helping people protect themselves and. You know, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, or financially, um, I think it really came out when we were talking to you. And, you know, mm-hmm. the passion between your um, your life with horses and the, the skills and the experience that you have in your work. Um, so we would love to, you know, start the conversation and in talking about that and what you guys do and how you've developed um, your careers.
2: Laura, do you um, have some thoughts on that?
3: Sure. So I've been a member of the board of the American Association of Equine Vet Techs now for several years. That Some of the reform, some of the difficulty that we're having just in that industry is that there is no standard of the difference between an assistant and a technician. So in several different states or in neighboring states, you can be compensated differently. You can, you need to be trained differently. You need to be licensed differently. So that's one of the things undermining really a a fair nationwide pay structure, pay scale, and even expectation of benefits and expectation of safety. And um, so that's something we've been working with, but as far as, you know, safe conditions, um, optimal conditions, and even just conditions that are, Consistent with what anybody would expect in the workplace. That's something we've been working on.
1: Yeah, I think we see that kind of across the industry as a whole. There aren't a lot of of um, of ways to show, you know, consistent salaries and benefits and what comes with certain positions in the industry. And I wonder about you know regulation for that outside of what each state does as a general employee um and you know i think where we see that you know in vet techs in grooms um in a lot of positions that are really independent contractors as a as opposed to full-time employees because so many people in this industry don't hire as full-time employees
3: and that's why they're able to get away with some of the terrible conditions that our friends that are working in the equine industry have to work in. Some of the some of our friends are working in dangerous places. They're working uh, extraordinary hours. They're tired um, and they're required to be working at the highest level for the least amount of money with the least amount of protections.
2: Yeah. Do you think there's a way for small businesses to that it's affordable for them to start implementing some programs for their employees?
3: Absolutely. Most small businesses are in the same. They're, they're usually in a town or they're usually in a community. And it's the same problem that most small businesses are facing. Health insurance, insurance protection, things like that. Those rates go down when you're in a larger group. So definitely joining a chamber of commerce, joining an association like the AEEVT, joining um, any association that's local puts you in a larger pool that automatically helps work to lower your rates. It also gives you access to people that are working in not the same industry, but they have the same problem. They're a small business. They have a few employees and they don't know how to hire, um, maybe how to hire the right person. They don't know how to compensate them best. Somebody else with a hair salon or a small auto repair shop or any one of those like second level businesses, small businesses in your town, they're all facing the same problems. Mm -hmm. So you can pull your resources together. Somebody's already solved this. You should take advantage of the knowledge that's in your town to give you that
1: help. Right, that's a great idea. I would I would not have thought about that. You know, I think we kind of work in a silo sometimes in our industry and um, and don't always look out to other um, industries to see how things are done and how things could be done better.
3: And that's something that people in the agricultural business in general have a difficult time for. I think that a lot of people that are attracted to horses are independent. They would like to work for themselves. They're entrepreneurial. They would love to run their own business. That's the kind of group that you should try to align yourself with because they've already solved some of the problems that you're facing right now. And you have an insight into, I think, specifically, you know, cost containment. I've never met anybody better at containing costs than someone who works in a barn. I mean, look at all of the uses we have for bailing twine and the, you know, the way that we can make anything work, you know, until other places could learn something from our capacity for resourcefulness.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's about not only if you're an employee protecting yourself, but um, if you're the business owner, protecting your business, but also protecting your employees, too. You know, you want to be the person who's providing a safe workplace and um, and having that reciprocal relationship with them and showing them that you care.
3: You would hope so. You know, mm-hmm. one of the struggles that I have um, encountered is there are so many people that really do want to be involved with horses and they have just such a compassionate heart, such an amazing capacity to give. And there's bad employers out there that will take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. And yeah. they will
3: promise you that they will get health insurance. They will promise you that they will get coverage. They will promise that next year when things are better, you know, but I've never seen, you know, if somebody's kind of doing okay and they're treading water business wise, they're probably going to do it again next year. I think mm-hmm. they have the best of intentions. I don't think they're, you know, diabolical out there. <laughs> I think they're optimistic. Yeah. But I think you have to be realistic. If this is the money that's going to buy the groceries and put food on the table and advance you to the next thing, I think it's perfectly okay for you to be, clear with yourself and clear with your employer about what you expect and what you'll give in exchange.
2: Yeah. And Darby coming from the psychology background, is there a way people can kind of prepare themselves or things that they can do so that they can learn to advocate for themselves?
0: Um,
4: I um, I, I mean, I work with a lot of young trainers and um, we talk about this all the time, right? Young trainers, particularly, um, Uh, tend to, I mean, I'm thinking about trainers. I don't work with grooms or or other folks generally, but, um, but young trainers have the same, a lot of the same troubles. And um, I encourage them definitely to set boundaries, just like what you were saying. It's like, well, what do you need to have to set boundaries, right? You have to set time, time limits for your business. You can't be working 6am to 8pm every night, right? To be um, to really be aware of what your limitations are and um, and what you need for to for to sustain your business in the long term
1: and um, Darby, how did you kind of set yourself up for starting your own business and and making that move and being able to say you know i 'm going to do this on my own now and and become an entrepreneur um in in a different way than what you had been doing before.
4: Well, for me, it's really my work now is is my passion project. Um, I'm um, I'm a psychologist, as you know. I've been working in psychology, being a clinical psychologist for almost thirty years, and I had a traditional training. And my the first fifteen years. My practice. I was a Freudian psychoanalyst. I taught at various hospitals. How did I get to where I am now? I really. I went back into horses. I had been um, prominent junior rider and young amateur, and I gave that up to go in and be a professional. And then a few years ago, people actually started to to, to ask me to help them with their, mostly with their kids but also with their own anxieties around riding in the ring performance. And so my business sort of started organically Um, in that way. um, I found that I really enjoyed doing that. The other way it started was that I sought out a sports psychologist um, for uh, one of my kids and for myself. And I realized, you know, Darb you can do this you want to do this get off (laughs) um and um and I realized thanks to and actually another entrepreneur who said you don't don't need any more training Doc, you've got go do it get in there and um and I'm really grateful to her for just giving me that little push to just start doing it um and so I've been officially at it for about um, six years, and just it really is a passion project. I get to combine um, my love of helping people reach their potential and um, and reach happiness, and also my love uh, and and passion for the horses.
1: Yeah, and Laura, I know that you uh, have worked in you know corporate world for a long time as well. How do you see? you know, what you experience there um, translate to the equestrian industry?
3: Well, you know, it is, it's a small business. It's got all the troubles of a small business. It's also got the troubles of, I think, misunderstanding of what exactly the business can be. Mm -hmm. Um, People think that, you know, horses are, are, they don't understand horses. They don't understand why we spend so much time with them. They don't understand why we spend so much energy on them. And. Um, I think it's mis- I think it's misunderstood and they don't they don't really if you're there and you really understood how much work goes into keeping them safe, keeping them healthy, keeping them um, safe for other people to be around, um, they would have more respect for it.
1: And Laura, what kind of entrepreneurial advice can you give people uh, when they're looking to go off on their own and and start something?
3: I think the first step to that is you've got to be ready for it. Um, you know, one of the things that I credit with myself being able to start my own business was, you know, over time, over years, I've been frugal and been smart with where I put my money. I think I, you know, I said earlier, I didn't buy a, you know, a $50,000, um, you know, saddle for a $1,200 horse. You, you need to have money and you need to have your powder dry because when the right opportunity shows up, sometimes it won't wait. Mm. And so you need to be in that right spot where you have A little money, a little time, the training, the things that you're going to need. If you think you're going to run your own business, start taking some business classes now. There are tons of great online coursework that you can do at your uh, state colleges. The tuition is completely reasonable. If you Mm -hmm. think you want to start a business, the AAEVT, for example, has courses online that you can take very reasonable in not basic horse care, but the next level up. Yeah, Um, And then depending on what state you work in, you could maybe reduce some of your costs. How to recognize good food, how to recognize bad food, how to take care of your own books. Um, All of this sort of you have to get yourself ready. So when the right thing shows up, when the right property shows up, when the right opportunity for you to move shows up, that you're able to go.
2: And Laura, I know you've kind of expanded outside of the equestrian world recently. <laughs> I have. I re-
3: recently bought a Ben and Jerry's here in upstate New York.
2: That's, that's so, so cool. <laughs> you. And you. D- so do you, with that crossover, you, you advise people to have something that's like maybe a little different outside the equine industry that might help them in the equine industry, you know?
3: I think definitely if you're going to run a business, you know, the more people, you know, the more uh, businesses that you can interact with. You know, the trouble that uh, that I have recognized or I've seen in my neck of the woods here is that the equine job is the second one in the house. It's not the primary job that's paying the mortgage. It's not the one that's paying the car insurance. And so when something has to give, that's the one that gives. Mm-hmm. And that's true for women. That's true for people with small businesses all over the country. And that's, you're going to have to decide, right? Like if you're going to be the primary business, then everybody in the family has got to be in on that being the primary mm-hmm. business. If you're going to be the secondary business, then you should be reasonable with the expectations of time and money and energy. Um, I've seen so many barns, people overbuy, overimprove, over, 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 and they have one job loss, a few months with nobody working, one car accident where they can't get around as easily, and then the business starts to struggle, they start to tread water, the whole thing goes under, and two years later, you're selling it at a loss, and somebody picks it up and starts all over again. And that's not sustainable for any of us. It doesn't raise us up as women. It doesn't raise us up as equestrians. And we should probably pay attention to the way that we're, you know, managing our money, managing our time and being realistic with how we spend both.
1: Yeah. And I think at the same time, you know, you talk about being ready and prepared and Darby, maybe you can speak to, you know, mentally how you get to that point, because I think, that's one of the hardest things as well. I mean, you can save a lot of money, but, you know, are you ready to take that next step? And, um, can you handle everything that comes along with running your own business? And, uh, you know, are there ways that, um, that people can prepare themselves mentally for something like that, for a life change like that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, um, uh, that's a good question because I think usually, or often, especially in the horse industry, people get into it, like Laura's saying, because it is, a, it's, it is their passion, right? Yeah. So they jump in really unknowing and, and, um, and are not knowing the full extent of what it takes to actually run a business, to be yeah. a business person. Usually they love horses, right? And right. so then, oh my goodness, to run a business, the, the skills that, um, you have to have to run a horse business are just extraordinary to me um the different types of skills the people skills the horse skills the business skills um Mm -hmm. the stamina so um I think passion does carry you a little bit but um how do you prepare mentally I think you do your research right I I think um um I encourage people the people that have done Who have set themselves up the best, in my experience, just in consulting with young trainers, are the ones that have worked for a successful business and seen the inside. They know what it takes because they've been the assistant, right? Right. They've been willing to be an apprentice. The people who have had the harder time are the ones that are a little too independent. Um and thinking they're gonna break out on their own before they've really done the research.
1: This is an industry where you have to pay your dues, right? You have to you have to learn first and and then do. Um I yeah.
2: And how how would you recommend if somebody got into it and they're pretty deep into it, and whether that's being a vet or being a groom and And they really hate it, but they don't see how they can get out of it. Do you have advice for them, like how to get out of it? Because I I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, man, especially like in the veterinary field, I feel like they spend a lot of money in it. And then it's so much work that they get there and they're like, oh, no, like, I don't I don't like this. Is there something that they can do to kind of help reframe their mindset or, you know, get out of it?
4: There's always, there are, you, there's always things you can do, right? You can always take mm-hmm. different steps. You can recraft a career. I mean, if you're really hating at something, right? If you really don't like it, I, I don't think you can change your mindset and, and make yourself happy. If it really is true that you want to change careers, then there's always ways to do that, right? There always are. There's retraining. There's, I mean, especially in this world now, there's so many opportunities I can imagine of that, with that kind of um Scientific and technical skill could could recraft a business. Uh, it may, again, it may require more training, or um, it may require. It certainly may require consulting with um, some business professionals. But there's always steps you can take. You're not stuck, right? There, there, there's always change. But you have to be open to it. But again, I don't think if you're really hating something, if you're really miserable, then it's time to take a step back and and figure out what it is that's making you miserable and, and, and change it. You can always change
2: it. Yeah. I, I don't think people have to be stuck in a career. I think they have to be open.
1: Yeah. And I think that's how you protect yourself emotionally, right? Is really being honest with yourself about what you're doing and, and how it affects the other parts of your life. And is it, is it adding to it or is it taking away?
3: You know, it happens in so many other businesses, it's actually got a name, it's called the sunk cost fallacy.
1: Hmm. Oh,
3: We've spent a lot of time and energy making this mistake, we shouldn't stop now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But then you just keep sinking more into it, right?
3: (laughs) I mean, so it's, you know, it's so prevalent that that it has a name. And there's, you know, that's, that's the first step to this is understanding really what you're dealing with. And, Mm -hmm and acknowledging it. It's okay. This happens everywhere. Companies roll out giant software programs that don't work, but we spend a lot of time and money and energy putting this in. So we shouldn't. Yeah. Right. But (laughs) organizations that are open to change at all levels, they have to be realistic about what they've done and where they're headed. And and when something doesn't work, you have to be willing to change. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I personally think that women, are used to this right you know we we recraft ourselves in our lives Mm -hmm. especially we have families we do it a few times during our lives and i see it all the time right you're in a different phase with your Mm -hmm. family and now it's not right you've been maybe you've been home for a period of time and Mm -hmm. i mean that was true for me then i rather recraft. i recrafted myself a few times right um Mm -hmm. i stopped a really um intense clinical career which i I was going to go a certain direction. And then I had my kids and I, I I wanted to change. Actually, I, you know, I felt different. And so I recrafted my career to work mostly in schools and, and do parenting classes and parenting work, and then recrafted again with horses when I reclaimed horses in my life. So I, but I see this all the time with women. Um, and I'm, yeah, I am really, proud of lots of my clients who have recrafted their lives. I see so many
3: women work and work and work and work and they just are digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> I think you just you hit on something so important, like it's okay to not follow everything to the absolute bitter end. It is okay to realize that you yeah, realize how right. this story is going to go and, and, and pull yourself up or, or pull the nose of that plane up before it crashes. It's okay. You don't have to let everything burn <laughs> to the ground to prove that you tried as hard as you could. It's okay <laughs> yes. to yourself, your family and your friends and your relationships and your money to be, it's okay to be all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That's another <clears throat> seeing opportunity and taking advantage of it. You know, what is an opportunity? It's yeah, it's a change. Mm-hmm. And if that change is stepping away from something, uh, that you invested a lot in, you know, of yourself, and your time and your effort and um and being able to say okay that that was that it's done now and i'm going to do something different Mm -hmm. um i really love looking at it that way you know rather than a failure it's it's an opportunity for something new and different Mm -hmm.
4: and and that's i'm really glad you used that word because um right? I really want to encourage people not not to fear failure, right? I always Mm -hmm. say don't waste a good mistake. And of course, I'm coaching riders a lot, right? But don't waste a good mistake. So if you if if you made some decision that was a mistake, don't waste it, study it, analyze it, right? Learn from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself into the ground for it. So you make a mistake. I mean, I always say how many mistakes have I made already today? right (laughs) (laughs) um but you know don't don't be afraid failure is uh uh you know you you know you go ahead and risk failure um don't be afraid of it pick yourself up keep going learn from it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that's a hard step to take i think and and be comfortable in that um in that feeling I have a hard a really hard time with that like trying new things and if I'm not good at it right away I don't want to continue because <laughs> I suck right. and you know, it's like right. I don't like yeah. not being very good at what I
2: do every time. Right. I'm golfing right now so Oh no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I started on a golf league so I'm learning yeah. to pick them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, It's tough. It's tough to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to think about uh, not wasting good mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
4: Right? I I mean, I find I I work with a lot of teenagers and, uh, you know, everybody's really, really perfectionistic. Uh, Well, the Mm -hmm. adults are too. But with the kids, especially, I want to teach them early on. Right? They're so afraid they're not going to be perfect, they're not going to look perfect, they're not going to somehow some, right? and it it really they're going to make some mistake and it just it tightens them up so much they can't ride or they can't do, they can't think <laughs> right? This yeah. fear that I'm going to make a mistake. And I think it's really culturally quite prevalent right now. And right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's supposed to get straight A's. Everybody's supposed to look like a fashion model and every, you know, I, I, you know what right. I'm talking about. So <laughs> I like to push them. Like, so what if you make a mistake? Right. 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 Pick yourself up. And yeah. Setting, make, realistic, around.
3: setting yeah. realistic goals. You know, I, I right. worked in a barn and, and my lane was beginners. If you mm-hmm. were scared, or you were going to cry. I'm in, I'm your new coach, come (laughs) And and I loved it. But also I needed support from the rest of the community that like, this is my lane. Like I know I'm never gonna be walking into the finals anywhere. I'm not gonna be holding a horse for some Olympian. That's not Mm -hmm. my thing. My job is to spread, you know, the love that I have for these animals and the love that I have for my sport to especially young women. Let's make them be brave. Let's make them be proud of their bodies and what they'll do. And, you know, a snotty pony will turn you into a really great woman. And (laughs) and that's enough. It's okay Mm -hmm. if you're jumping three feet. It's okay if you're going around a crossrail.
2: It's okay if you're not doing any of that. You know,
3: support each other in our businesses. And if you're profitable and everybody's safe, I'm in.
2: I think that's really important right now because I think so many people want to be at the top. And not everybody has to be there. Not everybody can be there. Right. Frankly, I mean, not yeah. everybody right.
1: Right. has that um, that total mix of factors that makes somebody the best, um, and that's okay. You know, there's a reason that's why right. there's different levels um, all the way up, whether it's riding or in business.
2: Right. Yeah. Not know. everybody has yeah. to build a Fortune 500 company. You can have a nice <laughs> <Yeah>. business. <laughs> yes. So, yeah.
3: Take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your animals. What else are we, what are we doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Absolutely.
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: This is such a fun conversation because it touches on so many different aspects of being an equestrian and being a business owner. Um, and, you know, I'm wondering if you guys, you know, see any trends or, um, you know, whether in the industry or outside of it of, of how to really sustain a business and, and how to really keep your heart in it um, and how do you keep that interest going? You know, once we've talked a lot about change and, and opportunity, but once you've done that step, how do you keep that going? And maybe you can each speak to that on your perspectives.
4: Uh, well, I, I can say, sort of speak philosophically a little bit, that um, I think it's really important to know, I, I call it knowing your why. What are you about? What What is your why in your business or in your writing or like in your life? What What are you about? Right. It's really important to know that, That you know your why, then all decisions really come from that, right? Mm -hmm. You know what you're about, but it's it's your foundation. And I think um, in your horse business, let's say you're, you know, um, you know, what what is it that you're? What is the essence? What's your why? What's your reason? You know, and that's your guiding light. And if you stay true to that, then you're going to be connected with your passion, and then. If you're connected with your passion, you know, a lot of things are going to work out. It's not the only thing, but it does help, um, right? It's a very hard, right? Of course, industry is, as we know, it's, it's got a really a lot of hard aspects. But I would advise people to really connect with their why. Because I see people who get kind of lost by that, in that.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Great. I have to say, I agree with that completely. I think you find your why, and I think you guard it. I think you find a coach yes or an instructor who supports you in, if you never want to go over a cross rail and you know, I used to tell people, you know, you pay me the same. If you're jumping two foot, you're jumping a cross rail, or you're just sitting up there walking around it's the same lesson. And I'm not wrapped up in, in where, you know, you go as long as you're happy, as long as you're having a good time. And that's how you have a good business. Satisfied customers that are getting what they want in a safe place are going to continue to come back to you. And, that's what you can provide to your customers. I think you're going to have a successful business.
2: Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about with goal setting? Like, cause it's kind of in the same area. Um, what, what do you have for advice for people to like start setting goals towards either their business or in their riding or, or anything like that? Um, well, I'll just go
4: ahead. I, I mean, I, I always encourage people to have a short-term right hat know where you want to be in six months. Where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years? okay ten years. What do you envi- what do you envision? you have to know where you where, where you want to go you set that intention and then that then you follow those steps. Um, it it just informs so many decisions. If I know where I want to be next year, right. It's going to inform just a myriad of decisions.
3: I would agree. I think you set a goal based on, you know, what, what is this in my life? What is this going to be? Is this going to be a side gig? Is this going to be my main income? Um, You know, and then make sure that you enforce that boundary in your life so that you're able to, you know, if this is the side gig, then you can't go to every show every weekend, all summer you'll be a bad girlfriend. You'll be a bad wife. You'll be a bad mom. You'll be a bad friend. You'll be a bad, everything. You'll blow up all the roles that you have. So mm-hmm. well, what's a realistic expectation for the people that are employing you? What's a realistic expectation for the the kind of work that you want to do and the customer that you want to have?
1: We just want to finish up with a few quick questions. Um, just first thing that comes to your mind, a phrase, a sentence, um, Connor if you want to start with the first one
2: sure the first one is what is one action that women take that women can take to make a big difference in their life
3: it's the sunk cost thing don't keep digging that hole you know you're in a hole you're in it up to your knees don't dig until you're up to your waist
4: <laughs> yeah. and and, Darby? Uh, and I would say something that's related which is don't get so perfectionistic go out there do it try it um, uh, don't 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 feel that you have to know Every single thing before you get started, right? Don't let perfectionism drag you down.
1: Uh, second question: What is the best habit that keeps you motivated?
4: Good sleep. Good sleep. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. For for me, it's definitely um, my workout. Like I have to work out every day for my yeah. I do it for my physical health and so that I can ride, but I, it's also really for my mental health. I'm a better person after the
0: workout
2: than before the workout. Oh, and the third question is kind of a fun one. It's my favorite one, actually. What is your favorite equine movie?
4: Black Stallion. Oh, there you go. Black Beauty. Black
1: Beauty. Well, we wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. And um, the great tips that, uh, frankly, I'm going to start using as well and, and remembering. And, um, we hope that it, it helps some of our listeners as well. Equitana USA, the world's premier equine expo celebration is coming to the Kentucky horse park, October 1st to the 3rd, 2021. If you're looking to shop for you and your horse and learn from top professionals like Laura Graves, Danny Waldman, and Jim Masterson for three full days, and then enjoy a spectacular evening show. This is the place to be. All equestrian B2B podcast listeners get $10 off tickets now through July 31st with code EQB10. Get yours today at www.equitanausa.com. See you there.
2: Well, that was really fun for our first interviews. I really enjoyed talking to both those ladies. And I, something that really stuck with me was when Darby was talking about know your why. Right.
1: For sure. I think it sounds, you know... Like setting a mission statement, and I, um, and it works personally, right? So, everybody thinks of mission statements as something for a business, but I think you could have one for yourself too, and really, that can guide where you go in your business and whether you know it's serving you, whether it's fulfilling.
2: Oh, yeah, I think it really should help you in your goal setting, too, right. which I'm a, I'm a big believer in the goal setting. And I am also a big believer in having a personal mission statement. It kind of guides me through through changes and in my life, too. Like, does it does it is it in line? hmm. Yeah.
1: Is it keeping you happy and fulfilled and um, and able to really capitalize on what's to come?
2: Definitely, you have to know where you want to go in order to get there. Right, All right. <laughs> Set a map. Yeah, and cool. I, I've the know your why I have believed in for quite a while from uh, reading some books by Simon Sinek.
1: And what does it say in there? Does it is it
2: a lot of the same thoughts? Yeah, same thoughts. Just make sure that you know why you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Don't just blindly go into to something and then find out you're lost (laughs) (laughs) well
1: and I think yeah that'll help us along the way and um, and in this podcast too we know why we want to do it and what we're looking to get out of it and um, I think it'll be something that others will enjoy too
2: yeah I think it's a a great starting point for everybody for our podcast and then for everybody who's listening You can find the links to today's guests and
1: the show notes at eqbusinesswomen.com. Our podcast, Equestrian B2B, will be out twice a month on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can follow us at eqbusinesswomen.com as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our show will go out to all podcast players. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll be able
2: to find it in the next couple of weeks. You can have all 20-plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go find your why.